Welcome to the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. My name is Natalie Nidham. I'm a nutritionist, a human potential, and epigenetic coach, and I created this podcast to bring you the latest ways to take control of your health and longevity. We cover it all, from new technology to ancestral health practices, personalized interventions, and a very special interest of mine, peptides. Enjoy the show. Hey, folks, welcome back to the show. We have a great episode for you today. I want to start by thanking you for being here, by inviting you to sign up for my newsletter. This is how I keep in touch with people who follow me. I announce all kinds of cool things in there. I'm always sharing tidbits of different biohacking tools and tips. And really my goal in sharing all of this information with you, and whether it's an interview or whether I'm sharing what biohacking tips I'm or tools I'm using at any given moment, is to help you to decide to help you to choose what's right for you. So, you know, people will often say to me, Nat, you know, I listen to your podcast. I read your newsletter. I don't know what to buy anymore. I don't know what to do. And my advice to people is slow down, slow down, make a list, make a list of the things you think you want. Think about what they're for. Make sure that they are on the mark for you. Okay. So before you run around buying all the things, because everything sounds cool, everything's really sexy. Stop for a second. Even if you have to sit, talk to a coach, talk to a practitioner, talk to someone who you work with, make sure that it's the right thing for you. All right. Now, aside from that, join up on the newsletter, go to natnidham.com, sign up for the newsletter, be the first to know about all the cool stuff that I'm working with and playing with, be the first to know about sales, all kinds of stuff like that. And thank you for being here. And don't forget to leave a review for the podcast. All right. Let's talk about a couple of things. So one of those things that I often talk about is senescent cells, right? One of the major factors contributing to poor aging is the presence of senescent or zombie cells. And these are cells that are old and worn out and they remain in the body even after they've served their purpose. And what that does is it drains energy and nutritional resources from where you really need them. As we get older, senescent cells tend to accumulate in our bodies, leading to decreased energy levels, reduced flexibility, slower recovery after workouts, and what generally is kind of referred to as that middle-aged feeling, which nobody wants. So luckily, over the past decade, researchers have identified plant-derived ingredients known as senolytics that can aid in the natural elimination of senescent cells. But we need a boost for that to happen. It doesn't just happen on its own. So one product that I recommend and I personally use is Qualia Senolytic. It works just like a monthly cleanse specifically designed for this aging process. What we're doing is reducing the load of senescent cells. All you have to do is take it for two days each month. I pick the last two days of the month and you will experience the benefits of its science-backed vegan ingredients that help your body naturally eliminate those senescent cells. It's not going to get rid of all of them. You don't want to. You need some around, but it's going to reduce the burden. And the results can be remarkable, helping you to feel a decade younger within just a few months. So to try Qualia Senolytic with a 100-day money-back guarantee, just visit neurohacker.com forward slash Natalie, that's Natalie with an H, N-A-T-H-A-L-I-E. And by using the code Natalie, N-A-T-H-A-L-I-E, you will receive a 15% discount on your first order. So remember, to start aging better, visit neurohacker.com forward slash Natalie for Qualias Analytic and use that code Natalie to get that 15% discount. Okay, let's talk about the episode. I recently met and have gotten to know this woman and I got to tell you guys, she's amazing. She's 
such a soulful person. She is a media personality in my country, in my city, in Toronto. Her name is Andrea Donsky, and she is on a mission to help women going through menopause. So let's talk about this, right? Do women really have no other option than to tough out the symptoms of perimenopause and menopause? I hope that you've listened to this podcast long enough to know that the answer to that is a resounding no. In this episode, we chat with Andrea Donsky about the top symptoms of menopause and perimenopause, such as fatigue, brain fog, as well as sleep issues. The conversation shifts to really practical things like diet, lifestyle, and supplement choices that women can make to maintain their health and vitality, most importantly, their vitality through this period. Andrea's insights into the benefits of strength training, stress management, and balanced nutrition are particularly timely, informative, as well as inspiring. This episode concludes with an in-depth discussion on the importance of sleep and exercise during menopause. Andrea highlights how these factors contribute to overall well-being and bone health. And guys, if you're still listening to this, you may or may not want to listen to this episode to understand and gain insight into what your partners, sisters, mothers, cousins are going through, or you may just want to share it with the women in your life who may be going through these experiences. Andrea is a nutritionist on a mission to change the conversation around perimenopause and menopause. She's an entrepreneur with more than 23 years of experience in the health and wellness industry. She's a respected multi-award winning influencer, media personality, speaker, and author. She hosts the weekly Menopause Reimagined podcast and appears as a menopause expert on television across North America. To date, Andrea has appeared in over 450 TV segments and has been featured on every major network across the U.S. and Canada. To learn more about Andrea and her work, you can go to andreadonsky.com. That's her website. You can also follow her on Instagram at Andrea Donsky. And Andrea does a beautiful job uh, with a bunch of really great supplements to support women in menopause and perimenopause. I don't think we talked about them too, too much on the podcast, but if you want to check that out, you can go to wearemorphous.com. So Morphous is M-O-R-P-H-U-S, like that gorgeous bright blue butterfly you'll see in Costa Rica. And you can go to wearemorphous.com forward slash nat for a discount just for you. Before we jump into the rest of the episode, let's talk a little bit about smart workouts. Are you tired of spending hours on cardio with minimal results and maybe sometimes even going backwards in your results? Well, listen up because I have got a game-changing fitness breakthrough for you. It's called the Carol Bike, a science-backed time-saving solution trusted by experts for optimizing health and longevity. And I can tell you personally, I love this thing. With Carol Bike's revolutionary reduced exertion HIT workouts, so re-HIT workouts, you can achieve double the health and fitness benefits compared to regular cardio in, wait for it, 90% less time. Studies show that by doing Carol's quick five or 10 minute workout just three times a week, you can improve your fitness by 12%, reduce the risk of type 2 diabetes by 62%, and even wind back your internal body clock by 10 years. The science is clear on this. Carol Bike is your ticket to a healthier, healthier more vibrant life in just minutes, three times a week. Get started today and wind back your internal body clock by up to 10 years. You can use code NAT100 at carolbike.com to unlock your path to longevity. And I also want you to know that Carol offers a 100-day money-back guarantee. So if you get this bike, and for whatever reason, it's just not working for you, you don't like it, whatever the case may be, you have 100 days to make your decision. 
So check it out, carolbike.com. Lots of great research on that website. And also go check out my interview with Carol just a couple of weeks ago where I talked to the founder and we explain and go deep into the science of Carol Bike. All right, without further moments delay, let's jump into this episode. Hey folks, just a quick reminder that all of the information presented in this podcast is for information purposes only. No medical advice, no diagnosing, no treatments suggested here. Before you try anything that you hear about or learn about here, make sure that you check with your medical provider. Welcome back to the show, everybody. This is so exciting for me, and I'll tell you why. I mean, you know, as people know, I'm excited about all my podcast episodes. However, this one is special for a number of different reasons. The first being that I get to talk to a fellow Torontonian, which just happens like never, not to mention the fact that this woman's work is so, it's so centered about women and She's a geek, kind of like me, but in a way that really speaks to people in a different way. So I can't wait to dive into your work, Andrea. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. And it is so great to speak to you as well. So Andrea Donsky is her name, by the way. I didn't say that originally, but I just know this is going to be a great conversation. So Andrea, tell us a little bit about, I mean, you've been in this business, you know, for for more than 10 minutes. You have quite a journey behind you. You've written some books and Definitely like, you know, some of your books, I'm, I'm, I look at them and I go, yeah, that's, that's what people need to know. But you were on this way before the curve. So tell us a little bit about your journey and how you've landed in this space of menopausal women, which does one of two things to people, either fascinates them or sends them running for the hills. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So yes, I've been there definitely for, uh, for a couple of minutes. So I, Really, I've been in the industry for over 23 years now, and I have had several businesses. My third business, so Morphis is our third company in the industry. And I started, actually, what's interesting is that every journey of my life has been where my businesses were. So like you, I was in nutrition school. So I went Mm -hmm. to school here in Toronto, and this was back in my 20s. And the reason I went to school was because I was having digestive issues. I didn't feel good. I had gas and bloating. And I started doing I'm very much, and yes, I love to be a geek and I'm a nerd and I just love data and I love to learn. And the more I learned, the more I love to share. And this was back when I would pick up magazines at the health food store, you know, and I would read them. And this is like (laughs) Vitality back then, like when Vitality, you'd find your local to Toronto. So you, you would get that. It's a magazine that health food stores would give out and I would read it and I kind of would go and I do a lot of extra reading. And I'm like, wait a second, I'm learning so much. I should have a degree behind me. Like this is like one day, maybe I will use this degree. And that's when I went back to school to become a nutritionist. And being in school really changed my life because that's when I it opened up my eyes to, oh my gosh, what we eat actually affects our body. How mm-hmm. I was feeling with actually had to do a lot with the food that I was putting into my body and the lifestyle and what I was putting on my body. So once I decided to go back to school and become a nutritionist, that's when everything changed for me. And I knew I was like, okay, I knew I wanted to be in this world of health and wellness. And then I met my business partner, Randy, and we've been partners for 23 years. We've started three companies. We had the Healthy Shopper Coupon Book, Naturally Savvy, which is still around, and now Morphus, which is our third company. And every business we started really was in the phase of life that we were in. Mm-hmm. So our first phase, our first business was I got married. I bought a new house. I needed to save money. I had a coupon yeah. book for natural organic products. <laughs> then we launched Naturally Savvy when I was having kids and, you know, we were learning how to raise kids and we we're like, okay, families. And then Morphus was really when I turned 47 and I had my first hot flash and I was like, whoa, oh. wait a minute. <laughs> Am I in menopause? I didn't even know the word menop- perimenopause existed. I was like, what is happening? And I'm thought, 
well, wait a minute, I'm a nutritionist. I should know what's happening. This is what I do. This is my work. But I knew nothing, Natalie. And I was like, wait a minute, if I know nothing, then I'm sure other women don't either. And I thought, okay, this is going to be my life's work. This is what I'm going to be doing from now on. And since I was 47, I just, I did, I haven't looked back. Like it's been Mm -hmm. such a game changer. It's been so eye-opening and I learned so much. Like we have an amazing community. I learned from my community. I am always reading something. I'm always looking at the end of one, which is I'm the end of one, looking at our community, looking at the medical journals, you know, speaking to experts. So it's been, um, it's been an amazing journey. Yeah, no, I love it. And, you know, it, it is, it's a beautiful thing when you can turn your passion into your work, which really makes it not work, right? Um, and having I your agree. career, and I love how your career has followed your life, right? Because in so many ways, it means that then you're able to connect to your audience in such an authentic way, because you're going through what they're going through. You're asking the same questions that they're asking, and yeah. you're just applying a different lens to it. And the other thing that you said that really resonates is that you learn from your community. Like I also have a very large community and, you know, people say to me, oh, I love learning from you. I'm like, no, I love learning from you. Like it's, right. it's like this, we kind of become this, this vehicle through which people, we exchange information. There's just this beautiful, yeah. energetic and information exchange. So, yeah. So moving into the world of menopausal women, which is, I mean, I remember when I went into perimenopause and that was before I was in this business, like right before, as I was kind of getting into it and my doctor looking at my labs and me saying, you know, my cramps are really bad and my periods are regular. And I don't understand. Like I used to be able to set a calendar by my period. And she looked at me and she said, well, you're in perimenopause, get used to it. You'll, this is, this is the journey, you know, you're going to get crampy and fat and miserable and sorry about your luck. See you on the other side. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> There's got to be a better way. <laughs> well, interesting that your doctor even said that because I hear from so many women that their doctors will say, well, you can't be in perimenopause or menopause, even in your 40s and 50s. So I'm happy to hear that your doctor even knew the stage that you were in. Although there are many tools that we can you know, have in our toolbox these days. So you don't have to just deal with it. There's a lot we can do. A hundred percent. Okay. So let's talk about, about the work that you do because I... You know, you're one of the things you said to me a number of times is that we love, I love research. I love data. I love this. I love that. And I want the audience to understand that this is not going to be a numbers podcast. I mean, it is, no. but it isn't. The The research that you do is very real and it's mm-hmm. very different than a clinical trial necessarily, right? We're yeah. not going to be looking at beta glucuronidase or something crazy like that. We're looking at data around how people... And, around their lived experience, how they feel, how things are affecting them. And maybe talk a little bit about that and what sent you in in that direction. Sure. So we're talking symptomatology. And the reason why I love it is because one thing that women in our community that we hear a lot from the women is they're always, they're always saying, you know, I don't feel validated. I don't feel heard. I don't feel supported. I feel like I'm going crazy. I feel like there's an alien that took over my body. I feel like everywhere I turn, someone's telling me you're not in perimenopause or someone's saying this can't be happening or just deal with it. Like your doctor mm-hmm. was saying to mm-hmm. you. And I feel like, and, and I was the same when I was going through it when I was turned 47, I went through 
perimenopause and menopause earlier, it seemed, than most of my friends who were my age. Because I would ask my friends, I'd say, oh, you know, do you have this? Like, And it started way before that hot flash. I'm talking, I started now perimenopause, I'm like 36. So I now wow. know that I, I started pretty early. And I was like, do you have phantom smells? Do you, Are you gaining weight? I gained 20 pounds in perimenopause. What are your moods like? Do you notice that your sleep is off? Like, I would ask these questions and my friends would be like, no, 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 no. And I was like, is this just must be me. Like I must be the only person experiencing this. And I didn't know what it was because I didn't have the, the vocabulary for perimenopause or menopause. Right. Cause I knew nothing at that point. And I thought, well, if I, you know, it doesn't make sense to me. And that's what kind of led me down to really understand it. So the symptomatology part, I was at a friend's party and my friend was telling me that she had started an app for menopause symptoms. And I was like a menopause app. Wow, that's fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Is there are there actually enough symptoms that you can create an entire app for it? And she was like, Yeah, yeah, there's like 34, 40 symptoms. I'm like, wow, that's a lot of symptoms. And the way my brain works, because I'm so data-driven, I literally went home and I was like, I created a Google Doc and I started like looking up all the symptoms. I'm like, 34, <laughs> what are they? And then I started tracking it and comparing it to how I felt. And then pretty quickly we discovered there were more than 85 symptoms. And then mm. in the recent, just recently, from all the research that we're doing, we, I call it our observational um, research, beca- anecdotal observational research, because, I mean, like you said, it's not double-blind, placebo-controlled research. This is research from our community. This is from women who are going through it. And we now realize that there are 103-plus symptoms. We just added another one, sleep apnea, recently. So there are so many symptoms of perimenopause and menopause, yet the most common ones are the ones that we think of, right? Like hot flashes. That's what made me think of it or night sweats or mood swings or weight gain Mm -hmm. or sleep issues, right? So these are the things that come to mind at first because that's the association. They're synonymous with this stage of life. But there are so many other symptoms that women might be experiencing, even though they have a regular cycle, they're getting their period every month. They're still getting it consistently, but yet they have itchy ears or maybe they're getting bruising out of nowhere, or maybe they're getting their PMS is worsening or, you know, itchy skin, dry eyes. Like there are so many other symptoms that start to appear in this phase of life. So in my opinion, it's it's looking at that, those symptoms and helping to validate them and say, yes, this could be happening. Again, it could be other things, but as long as you go to your doctor, rule everything out and you get that clean bill of health and then you don't find out what it is, if it's nothing else, come back and be like, okay, maybe it's perimenopause. You know, these are perimenopausal symptoms. So I just feel like really understanding them is important so that we can validate and support women going through it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. So, but having said that, would these, this, if a symptom is related to menopause, and I know we're not, you know, we're not going to go deep into technical hormone talk here, but, but at the same time, if a symptom is being linked back to menopause, then would there be, would it be fair to say that most likely it has to do with those hormonal shifts yes, that are exactly. affecting systems? And I think this is where the world gets yeah. really reductionist, right? We think of yeah. hormones and they affect our sex drive. They affect our sexual organs. And maybe we'll stretch a little bit and say they affect our, our skin and our bones. But I think what we don't mm-hmm. talk about and what gets left out is their effect on our brain and our cognition everything. and our immune system and everything, yeah. all the things. So maybe let's talk a little bit about what you've found. Like, what would you say are the most surprising symptoms that you're seeing and you know, and how are, how are women dealing with it? Are, are you at all helping women to see, to find ways of dealing with these different things, or are you just still very much in a data collection mode? 
No, no, we created Morphous so that we can help women. So my lane, I always say as a nutritionist for more than 18 years, my lane is nutrition, lifestyle, supplements, and research. So mm-hmm. we look at the research so that we can help women work with that tool, with the tools in that toolbox. And of course, you there's always the hormone route if that's something you choose to do, but it's out of my lane. I'm not a doctor. I leave that to the hormone experts. So the way I look at it is my lane. So let's like, what can we, what, how can we help you nutritionally? How can we help you with lifestyle? I'm talking exercise. I'm talking managing stress. How can we help you with supplements as a nutritionist. And I know you're a nutritionist as well is we know, according to the world health organization is that our food lacks minerals. We lack a lot of the nutrients that our body needs. So, you know, I do believe as a nutritionist that we do need to supplement our diet, Mm -hmm. but supplement, it's not going to, you know, outperform nutrition. You want to make sure that you want to eat properly and look at a certain way. And we do know, according to the research and a lot of the experts that I speak to and myself included in terms of also my N of one, how should we be eating for this phase of life? Because what worked for us before this phase may not work for us anymore in this phase. So there's a whole shift. Not only are our organs and our body shifting, but our mindset needs to shift. Our nutrition needs to shift. Our exercise needs to shift. Our supplementation needs to shift. Everything needs to shift as we enter into this phase of life. So yes, we definitely help women with those tools. And then if you're okay, I can share my screen. So that yep. way I can kind of show you the, um, the symptoms, which would be mm-hmm. here. So I could show you this. So um, here, I'm just going to put it into slideshow mode. So if you look here, these are, this was based on research that we just did for, it was 3,082 women that had filled out our surveys. We have them up on our website. We have five surveys right now on our website and we're constantly collecting data. And we just, so on top of symptomatology, we also just released two for women in the workplace and then Mm -hmm. women who are stay at home or who left stay at home moms or who just left their employment due for whatever reasons they are. So this is our science and symptoms survey. So we now have over almost 3,500 responses. So this is based on 3,000. So as you can see, and we broke it down between menopause and perimenopause because that was important to me because I really wanted to understand because a lot of women will say, well, Andrea, do we feel better when we go into menopause? And the answer is many of us do feel better. But what we found is, is that there are symptoms that are more prevalent when we're in, in menopause versus perimenopause. So when we look at the actual symptoms, and I know for many of you, you're listening on the podcast, so we will read them for you. So unless, if you want to go, you can go. I know Natalie, you have a YouTube channel, right? hundred percent, yeah. Okay, um, but we'll we'll talk it through so that way you can understand. So what we found is that the number one, hands down, the number one most common symptom of perimenopause and menopause is fatigue, lack of energy and exhaustion. And that was 72% of the women. And what we see though, when you actually break it down further is that it's more common in perimenopause. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense because that's when our, our hormones are shifting. That's when our body's changing. Our transition is happening. So I always say, be gentle with yourself in perimenopause. Give your body, give your mind grace because as your body's changing, it's like your software on your phone. It's upgrading, right? So it's the same thing. You can't use your phone when it's upgrading. So you still want to be able to use your body, obviously, but maybe yeah. less so. Like maybe it's harder to get out of bed. Maybe you can't focus or concentrate as more, you know, as much, which was the case for me. I, I joke around, Natalie, that I went from a type, tr- you know, triple A personality to an F minus because during <laughs> menopause, I couldn't do anything. I was so half the time I couldn't get out of bed. So I understand what women are going through, you know, so you could see, so we have fatigue, then we have brain fog, which is the second most common. And that's pretty, pretty, pretty similar between menopause and perimenopause. Then we have sleep issues, which is the third main symptom. I wanted to understand that even better. So we have mm-hmm. another symptom, sur- another survey for sleep where we dove into the symptomatology of sleep. So 
why are you not sleeping in, in menopause? Like, what are the actual things that we, that, you know, that what's keeping you up at night? Mm-hmm. And then we have memory loss, anxiety, joint pain, lack of concentration, lack of focus, hot flashes, libido, low libido, which is a big one, lack of patience, night sweats, slower metabolism and digestive problems. So as you could see, these were kind of the more common ones. And then when you go to the less common ones, some, you know, but yet still very much symptoms, common symptoms, but less known, let's say, Mm -hmm. is you've got itchy ears. That's a big one. A lot of women are experiencing itchy ears. Again, more common in perimenopause than menopause. And why, what's that being attributed to? Do you know? Yes. Lower, lower estrogen levels. So estrogen is they fall they dry out. So estrogen keeps our skin moist and thick and plump. And as our estrogen levels go down, the mucous membranes, even the mucous membranes in our ear, our skin, they start to thin, they get thinner and they get drier. So a lot of women will, now itchy ears can be attributed to many different things. But again, if you rule everything out, you come back, then you're like, oh, it could be perimenopause. So these are some things that women are like, oh my gosh, I never even made the correlation or my biggest thing. And and (laughs) I have women who will email me or, or DM me and they'll be like, Andrea, I had a phantom smell. So phantom smells are when you smell things that other people aren't smelling. And again, I dug deep into that too. We have almost a thousand responses for that because where I'm like, when I was 36, I had phantom smells. I would smell smoke or burning toast or cigarette smoke. And I'd ask everyone in the office, I'm like, do you smell that? It's or it smells like gasoline. And they'd be like, no. And I was like, okay, maybe God forbid something's happening. I had, I went to the doctor twice. I had two MRIs in perimenopause and I'm like, my doctor's like, there's nothing going on. And now putting the pieces together, I'm like, phantom smells. So now phantom smells, yes, and there are symptoms. So I had this woman who emailed me this week or DM'd me and she was like, I thought of you, I had a phantom smell this week, but I wasn't afraid because I know that it could be a symptom. And I'm like, make sure you go get it checked out. Always go to get it checked out. And I'm going to repeat that 10 times because I'm not a doctor, but it was like comforting because they're like, okay, so maybe this is what it could be. And I'm going to go dig a little, dig a little bit deeper. So this is why I love doing what I do and why I love looking at the data because it just, it helps women understand it. I felt very, when I did, when you don't know, you feel very, you know, uncertain. You you feel Mm -hmm. very, you're not confident. You're like, wait, what's happening? And you get, you go into fear almost, right? Whereas when you're like, oh, okay, it could be that possibly, I'm going to go to my doctor. I'm going to get checked out. I'm going to I go in there with more information. So we're empowered as opposed mm-hmm. to coming from a place of fear. So that's why for me, I, I love looking at this data because I'm like, ah, OK, it makes a lot of sense. Right. No kidding. Well, and it's also interesting, like how some things are so much more dominant in perimenopause and then seem to be less dominant in menopause and vice versa. And, you know, it definitely for those of us who who are in the space, it all makes sense, right? The brittle nails, some people start to feel it in perimenopause, but it really comes to bear in menopause, right? That, and again, I mean, loss of estrogen, collagen, all the things. You know, one of the things that surprised me the most, I'd have to say from doing the research, and this I didn't know until we saw the, the data and the results that came back, was weight gain. And for me, I gained a lot of weight. I had mentioned earlier, I gained 20 pounds when I was in perimenopause and I would also go up and down. Like I would gain eight, eight pounds. I would lose 10 pounds, like throughout the course of many, many years. And I could never understand why I'm like, well, wait, this is my job. This is what I do. I'm not changing what Mm -hmm. I'm eating. I'm not changing how I'm, you know, exercising. Everything is the same, but yet I literally would gain and lose weight all the time. And then at one point I had gained 20 pounds 
But what surprised me the most was that in menopause, and I hear this a lot from the women in our community. So looking at the data, listening to our community, what they're going through, that weight gain is much more common in menopause than it is in perimenopause. And I thought, I'm not hugely, but definitely it showed up as being more so in menopause, which now it makes sense. And from hearing from everybody in our community, that's for them too. So I thought that was an, that was a surprising thing for me to, to see in the data. Yeah, well, I would say like the weight gain through menopause and and or perimenopause, it's it's become the hallmark, right? Mm, and it's a little yeah. bit what you said earlier, like women wake up one morning and I talk about this, they look down and they're like, who are you and what have you done with the rest, <laughs> with the real me? Yeah. Um, and it goes back to what you also said a couple of times, and that is we don't get a memo, but the whole no. landscape changes. Your insulin sensitivity changes, your... Your, if your sleep goes in the toilet and you're used to going to CrossFit every morning, guess what? Your CrossFit workout, which was already stressing your body before, it's yeah. now become yes. not a hormetic stressor anymore. Now it's become like a problem. And, mm-hmm. and I've said this to a lot of people, and I'm sure you do too. Like the bad news is we don't get a memo giving us a heads up. The good yeah. news is for the work based on the work you're doing is if we become more self-aware and more sensitized and and something else that you said earlier a bit more gentle with ourselves and say hey it's me like not that it's not me it is me and guess what when i was a teenager i ate this way when i wanted to become pregnant i had to eat that way when i was pregnant i ate a different way and now and this is the big nut that i think is getting cracked by women like you in this space we are going through another new phase of life and guess what you're going to have to change things again. Yeah. And it's scary, right? It's scary to think that we have to, and as women, we go through so much in our life, right? Mm. And we're constantly, and if, if you had children and that's something that you went through too, and your body's changing there in puberty. So like, there's always changing ha- changes happening. And I've heard from so many women who'd be like, why us? Why does we have to go through this again? You know, <laughs> it's, it's a difficult time for so, for so many of us. And I do believe that we come out stronger on the other side. I really do believe I, be, I see the silver lining. I do love being in menopause. I'm in menopause myself now and have been for several years. And I do there's so much positive that comes on from being in that phase of life, but getting there can be tougher. And mm-hmm. when we're in the weeds, I, I liken it to women. We're like kind of in the weeds, right? You're in the muck. You don't see, you can't see out of those weeds. You can't see the light that's on the other side until you kind of, you're the flower that grows up over those weeds. And you're like, oh, okay, I see what's going on here. You know, there I can is see another side. <laughs> There's a, there's a light. I get it now. So for me, there's so many other positives, but while we're going through it, it's really tough. And I get it because the only reason I, I attribute, I always say, thank you, hot flashes and night sweats. And, you know, if I didn't have that, then I would never have been doing the work that I've been doing over the last six years. I would have continued working in the health and wellness space and talking about eating, you know, organic food and continuing doing what I was talking about before. But now I'm like, no, no, no we need to understand this. And that's why I've just kind of really done, you know, a 180 in terms of really understanding what's happening to us. I love it. So what is the advice you give women? Like when, what do you, how are you helping women to, to move through this? Because, you know, the, the ground is shifting under their feet. Things are changing that they, I mean, I don't want to change the way I, you know, I didn't want to change the way I ate. And then, you know, the tragedy is I think for a lot of women is, from a lifestyle and societal perspective, they just dive into a bottle of wine saying, you know mm. what? I just, I, I need my wine. And they hold that bottle of wine like it's their lifeline. 
And ironically, if there's a time in your life where you want to rethink that strategy, it may be now, but, um, how are we, how are you helping women kind of move through this and, and what's the advice you're giving them in terms of their diet and all the things? So I really try to be gentle with my words and I try to be gentle. Now I laugh and I'm trying to think of like how I answer this. So I, when I was going through nutrition school and I graduated nutrition school, I wrote a book called Unjunk Your Junk Food. Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing from so many of my colleagues, how can you write a book about junk food? You're not supposed to be eating junk food. We shouldn't have any junk food in our life. We have to eat, you know, carrots and celery. And I'm like, because I have kids and my kids live in the real world. And when my son goes to a birthday party and they're giving out cake and candy and I'm giving him a red pepper, which by the way, I used to do would bring the red peppers to the birthday parties when he was a kid. Yep. So I used to do that. And I was like, it can't, it's not sustainable. Like it's just Mm -hmm. not, my kids have to live in the real world. I have to live in the real world and I have to be balanced. So I really try to do the same now as we get into this, you know, into menopause and perimenopause. So I like to say, I'll provide you with information and then you make the decision. There's no judgment anyway. You make the decision what you want to do. And we know that there are certain things. And then there's also a lot of pushback. So again, you know, as a nutritionist, we have very different views than some other health experts might have, right? So in our book, when we wrote on Drink Your Junk Food, for me, we came up with a list of seven categories of ingredients that we know according to the research. Everything I do is according to the research. Like we're going to look at that research. It was Simon Schuster who published that book out of New York. And we had like a fact checker. And so we had published the whole, these, thing. the whole thing. I didn't, it wasn't me making up information. And we came up with these categories of ingredients and they included high fructose corn syrup and trans fats and MSG and artificial colors and artificial flavors, preservatives and artificial sweeteners. And these are ingredients that, you know, were like, okay, well, back then I was like, be mindful of that. Same thing goes for us now. Be mindful of those ingredients because those can lead to other things like triggering symptoms. Like if you look at something like monosodium glutamate, we know that the side effects are hot flashes and chest palpitations, heart palpitations and migraines and headaches and, you know, excessive sweating. And well, that sounds familiar to me because Mm -hmm. those are a lot of the symptoms also that can be in perimenopause and menopause. So just being mindful of what you put into your, into your body, right? What are you eating? So I try to be gentle with what I say and with the education that I have. And like, here, just be mindful of when you're eating, read the labels, understand it's not about calories anymore. That's, Mm -hmm. I always say that's like, so last year or (laughs) several years ago in this case for me, but you know, I wrote the book in 2011. I'm like, it's so 2010. So (laughs) I say, you know, be mindful of what you're putting in your body and read the ingredients, understand how to read the ingredients. And as we get into this phase of life, so yes, being mindful of the, the chemical additives, being mindful of seed oils, the work of Dr. Catherine, or Dr. Kate Shanahan, who I adore, that was another thing that we looked at. So there's, you know, different oils that we know can create inflammation in the body. So starting with nutrition, starting about what you're putting in your mouth can make a big difference. And then looking at how much protein you're eating. We know that we need more protein mm-hmm. in this phase of life. We know that we want to minimize those seed oils. So what are seed oils? Canola, corn, cottonseed, sunflower, soy, safflower, grapeseed. These are seeds that can create that inflammation that can cause that weight gain in many cases. So be mindful of that. Eating lots of vegetables, getting enough fiber, eating fruits, low glycemic fruits, those berries, so important for our brain health, right? Like we mm-hmm. love the berries, the berries and the fiber you know, hydration, looking at, so you're looking at so many different ways. And then you can also look to, and some, and everyone's really different here. Some people do amazing on complex carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. Some people don't. So listening to your body. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you, you have to either way. I'm going to tell you some people do amazing. 
Some people don't. And there's a big genetic component in that. Like mm-hmm. I know personally, I've had my genetics tested in several different, several different times. I can't do large amount, large amounts of complex carbohydrates, even if they are amazingly healthy for us. My body just doesn't like it. That's me. Other mm-hmm. people, you know, do what they, you know, you, I always say, do what makes you feel good, what, what your body wants. And then you have legumes and then you have your nuts and seeds. Again, I look at those in, in moderation because again, for some people, if you're eating tons of nuts and seeds, it might cause weight gain, right? Even though they're great for us, but it might cause weight gain. So just listen to your body. It's kind of more my, my thing. And that's the nutrition part of it. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, and I mean, do you, and I'm sure because you're into the supplementation, like the organ, if there's an organ that takes a beating, I mean, there's a few of them, but the liver at this point, if the liver has been working so hard our whole mm-hmm. lives and now, mm-hmm. and I think this is where, you know, this, this renewed focus on the foods that we eat comes in because the liver now has a really big job, right? The liver has Huge. to detoxify the hormones and it has to make sure that everybody's getting to the right place to get to where they need to go, which is generally out the door. And, you know, the way I look at it is if we're eating, if we're adding a lot of load, extra load to the liver, look at you with your liver. Okay, guys, if you're just listening to this, Andrea's holding up a stuffy of a smiling, happy liver. (laughs) So cute, right? I love my props. I'm big on my props, but yes, our livers are master detox organ. So it's such an crucial part for detoxification. So yes, a hundred percent. I love what you're saying. And then our colon, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, well, this is. Yeah. Colon's you know, pink, so- by the way. Liver's <laughs> yellow, colon's pink. The colon is pink and it's very cute. It but, almost you looks know, like a little double flamingo kind of hanging out with each other. It does. <laughs> Actually, you're right. It does. Very cute. Yes, it does. <laughs> So yes, you're you're absolutely right. And it's very important in our liver. And sometimes we need a little bit extra help because we live in the real world and we're exposed to a lot of things. So helping, you know, being mindful of what you're eating. That's why I love, you know, bitter, anything bitter. So arugula, mm-hmm. dandelion, anything that's going to help your liver, your liver loves bitter. So, you know, eating foods that contain anything bitter, drinking dandelion tea, doing, you know, dry skin brushing, making sure you're drinking enough hydration, right? Like mm-hmm. that's key because that's going to help everything and your colon is going to help everything move out our hormone metabolites, our undigested food, our waste, our, you know, things that we no longer need. If you are not, you know, one of the things I say often too, Natalie, I'm like, if you're not pooping every day, then that's an issue because mm-hmm. we need to be going to the bathroom every day. Mm-hmm. And if you're not going to the bathroom at least once a day, things are getting recirculated in your body. Yeah. Forget the weight gain part of it. It's the, how are you going to feel? You might feel absolutely exhausted. The same way if your liver's overburdened, you're going to feel exhausted. Your colon, if you're not you know, pooping every day, you're going to feel exhausted, right? And when we go back to those lists of symptoms, what's the number one symptom? Fatigue. A hundred percent. And then, and coupled with the fact that sleep goes out the window. Mm. So, you know, and I would say that anybody who can solve for sleep uh, frankly, anybody who can solve for sleep period is is like the hero, right? But solving for sleep in menopause and perimenopause becomes a particularly vexing problem because there's nothing worse than being exhausted and not being able to sleep. And so what have you found can be helpful for women at this time? Because sure. it's a thing. So there's two areas I always say we need to focus on in perimenopause and menopause. Number one is the sleep. Mm-hmm. And number two is digestion. So we mm-hmm. talked a little bit of, I mean, that we can talk about all day, but we talked a little bit about that, but we've got the sleep. 
So going back to what I mentioned earlier, that we did a lot of deep dives into sleep in this particular phase of life. Like, why are we not sleeping? So our research showed that there are, there are three main symptoms. The first one is stress. We're waking up between 2 and 4 a.m., we can't go back to sleep or we're just staring at the wall at the ceiling and, you know, or we'll wake up with heart palpitations or anxiety mm-hmm. or whatever. So stress, 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 number one reason. And when we're waking up between 2 and 4 a.m., generally it's cortisol rising at the wrong time. So we now know like stress, hands down, number one reason we're waking up in this phase of life. Number two, bathroom visits. So we have to, I have women who've told me they have to go pee literally 10 times a night. Like it is I'm like, wow, they're like every hour on the hour or like, you know, several times a night. If you wake up once, twice, okay, that's one thing. But if you're waking up five times, three, four, five times, like that's a lot of time and your sleep is getting disrupted. Mm -hmm. And then the other, the third reason or the third main reason is night sweats. So, Mm -hmm. which makes sense, right? So we understand like why it's happening. And then there's other reasons like mattress, they're waking up with pain, their mattress or their pillow might not be right for them. You know, they've got, um, you know, the there's light in the room. There's a lot of noise around them. Maybe it's a partner who's snoring or maybe they're snoring. They're waking themselves up with sleep apnea. So there's a lot of other reasons as well. But the first three were the main were the main three. So what we found is and I I I, I wear an, like an actual technology device. You do, too. Mm-hmm. I love it. Twinsies. And for me and again, because we love that. <laughs> so for me, understanding. OK, so. We know, we know that stress is the number one. And by the way, I had crazy sleep, sleep issues. Like, so that's why for me, understanding sleep is big because I had it all. Like I would wake up literally 3.06 all the time and I'd be like, oh, here we go again. Okay, I don't even have to look at the clock anymore. I know it's that, mm-hmm. you know, right, right around that three o'clock mark. And so what I found was looking at things like sleep hygiene is really important. And I'm still constantly looking at things and tweaking things now because I'm constantly learning. So what is sleep hygiene? So really avoiding eating too close to bed because when we eat too close to bed and even now, so I will get into exercise in a minute, but when I go to sleep and I've had a full meal, let's say sometimes I don't finish till like 8.39 and that's late to finish yeah. eating. And then yeah. I go to bed at like 10.30, 11. I'm like, okay, this is ridiculous. But my my day was busy. It didn't work. It doesn't happen often, but sometimes it does. When that happens and it happened this week, my sleep awful. I'm mm-hmm. like, whoa. And I could see it right on the ring that we're wearing. And I'm like, okay, so don't eat three to four hours before bed. You can have a little snack, but eating a full meal that close to bed, your body's going to be digesting and it's not going to be repairing. So that's mm-hmm. really important. The other thing is you want your room to be cool because night sweats, number three, most common reason, if you're going to bed and your room is in 65 to 68 degrees, you're going to sweat or you're using a heavy blanket. Like, so just being as cool as possible, light clothing as possible, right? Tank top, whatever it is. And then the other thing I recommend is having some type of practice before bed. So having some type of routine. So going to bed at around the same time from my, from the research that I've, again, I'm going to talk about my end of one and Natalie, please pipe in is that what I find that if I go to bed, the earlier I go to bed between 10, 30 and 11, because I tend to go to bed a little bit later, closer to midnight, but when I go to bed between 10, 30 and 11, I get way more deep sleep than I do if I go to bed later. And we know that we get deeper sleep. Now, why do we care about deep sleep? Oh. We need deep sleep for the lymphatic system, for our brain. That's when our body heals and repairs itself. The only way you're going to get that deep sleep is if you go to bed earlier than later. And this is something that I've had to work really hard at training myself is to go to bed earlier because I'm like 1030. I'm like, okay, hello, not ready yet. But I'm trying really hard to get to bed at that earlier time so I can get more deep sleep. And it goes down as we age. So we really need that deep sleep. 
Hey folks, just a very quick interruption here. I need to tell you about a new product that I have found. It's called Oral Tide and I get it at Profound Health, profound-health.com. You know this website for bioregulator peptides, but what a lot of people don't realize is that they have other amazing products. And this Oral Tide mouthwash is one of those products. I've been using it for a month and I cannot get over how the sensitivity in my teeth has diminished. But the other things that the peptide in this mouthwash can do for you is it's been shown in studies to promote the growth of shrinking gums, speed healing of the mouth and tongue. It helps even to repair damaged enamel. So what are these peptides? There's AGDP, which is anti-gingival recession peptide, and DRPACP, which is dental bond peptide. So all you have to do if you're interested in this, and look, the mouth, huge piece of the puzzle when we're optimizing our health, go to profound-health.com and use discount code longevity15 to save 15% off your first order. Once again, that's Oral Tide Pro. All right, guys, let's get back to the episode. The other thing is that, um, and I think a lot of people can relate to this, is you fight through the fatigue. And mm. it's literally the worst thing you can do because, you know, people say, oh, yeah, I felt a little bit tired around 10 o'clock. But you know what? I get a second wind and it's amazing. And that second wind is the kiss of death yeah. when it comes to your deep sleep, because that's where you've now you're it's like you're digging into a pot that doesn't belong to you mm. <laughs> and you're you're going into debt for your to your own body because yeah. absolutely the hours before midnight are invaluable for deep sleep and the meal timing thing is is massive it's and Huge. people don't even realize exercise. it you know even like for people who have heartburn right like if you can just put distance between bedtime and like i have friends who have to sleep on an incline and yeah. and and admittedly even if they you know they've got other digestive issues and unfortunately you know for them, they're not open to the conversation around digestive enzymes or combining their foods differently or whatever the case may right. be. But there are definitely solutions to that. But certainly not eating three hours before you hit the pillow is going to be a big piece of the puzzle. Huge. And sometimes even four hours, because as we go mm -hmm. into this phase of life, our digestive system is changing and it's shifting. And maybe now you're not digesting as quickly or it's just sitting. You feel like it's sitting in your belly. Right. So, yes, looking at other things that can help you know, help you digest it because we're only as good as what we absorb, right? And digest yeah. and absorb. So we need to be doing that. But yes, absolutely. And then even like, because the stress part is a big part of it is maybe not exercising too close to bed because we mm -hmm. think, oh, I'm going to go work out. But sometimes obviously when you're working out, now you're fully awake, you're energized. And then you're just like, yeah, I can't go to sleep. So even spacing out when you work out and how close to bed you work out is important too. And having a ritual, maybe it's one of the things that I love is just, calming yourself before bed. Maybe it's taking mm -hmm. a warm bath. Maybe it's doing a five minute meditation. Listen, I get it if you don't want to sit and meditate. And I understand if you have a monkey mind because I'm the same. So I get it. But maybe there's something you can do by listening to samples or maybe you could read or maybe listen to a little bit of music or maybe wear your blue blocking glasses so you don't have the blue light coming in. Right. So that's something I'm sure you talk about a lot. So just anything that's going to kind of help us relax Mm -hmm. From a standpoint of of some type of a routine, it can be very helpful too. Like essential oils are great. Just anything that's going to just help you rein it in. I love sound samples, which are amazing. Like you can mm -hmm. Google it or listen on TikTok. There's always some type of beautiful sample music playing at night that just yeah. helps to like from a frequency and a vibration and a sound standpoint just helps you kind of like instantly go into that parasympathetic mode. That's going to help as well. Because again, remember, we're waking up in this phase of life due to stress. 
So yeah. if we can minimize that stress, journaling, whatever it is that's going to help you minimize that stress before bed. And and I've done I've done um you know some research behind and some testing behind or experiments when I've done meditation before bed and then actually wore the ring, went to sleep for sure, my HRV went up. Like it was like, oh, that's what that is. Oh, my heart rate variability. Woo, it's super high now because of that. And that wasn't using supplements, which I can give you a little bit of a hack from supplements, but you know, that was just using meditation, like just bringing it down. A hundred percent. One thing I found that can be really helpful to people who find meditation either intimidating or they're like, oh, meditation's not for me. It's not my thing. Just even breath work. Um, Mm. Just, you know, breathing in for four, holding for four counts, exhaling for four, holding for four counts. I talk to people and say, listen, if you can do this and just focus on this one thing, you will bore yourself to sleep. And the other (laughs) nice thing about breath work is it doesn't involve any electronics. So if you wake up at two or three in the morning, doing the leaning back into the breath work, so you don't have to go looking at your phone, turn on the app, get distracted by some, something that comes up, you literally just roll over, close your eyes and get back into your breath work. And it is shocking how effective that silly little technique <laughs> can it's, be for it, people. So yes, yes. And yeah. there's this, have you heard of Ho'oponopono? Yes. Have you heard of, okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. this is my little trick. So what I tell anyone who wakes up between two and four, and first of all, yes, do not go on your phone. Do not go out downstairs to grab something to eat. Do not turn on your lights. Like all of that are no-nos because you will have a much harder time falling back asleep. And by the way, it is normal to wake up. Like there is something called middle sleep. So you can wake up in the middle of the night, you know, sleeping right through, not, you know, not having any wake up moments is not very common. Like we can wake up. I mean, it's great. You can go through it. And there are times when I'm like, wow, I didn't even wake up once, which is amazing. So, but if you do wake up, there's something called middle sleep, but you can absolutely go back to bed. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that I highly recommend, and I tell people and women in my community, I'm like, do Ho'oponopono. So what is that? You can Google it. It's amazing. It's a Hawaiian healing uh, practice, but there are four short sentences that you literally just keep repeating in your mind Mm -hmm. over and over again when you wake up in the middle of the night. It's, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And thank you. Yeah. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And thank you. And just keep saying it and you will fall back asleep. So the breath work that you recommend, Ho'oponopono, you will fall back asleep. Yeah. And what I love about Ho'oponopono really is we hopefully tune down the negative chatter. We tune down the, oh my God, why am I doing this? Oh, I knew I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have eaten that. Why am I, I'm going to be so tired tomorrow. I have so much to do. I'm so tired now. And that negative narrative that we can't help it. I mean, there's no, again, as Andrea said earlier, there's no judgment here. This is all natural responses to you know, a very natural fear and frustration around what's going on. Like I remember at one time going, I read somewhere that if I don't sleep, my chances of having breast cancer are much higher. Ah, I'm not sleeping. Oh my God. Like there's too much light in my room. And this is, and you know, so bringing down the rhetoric and allowing for you're you're literally basically soothing yourself back to sleep. You're relearning that skill that we try to, those of us who've had babies, we try to impart on our babies to help them to learn to self-soothe themselves back to sleep. And we need to sometimes relearn that skill as adults, maybe. 
A hundred percent. And you're also, you know, this is a healing practice. So not mm-hmm. only are you soothing yourself, but you're actually working out other things at the same time. So that to me, I'm like, ah, win-win. It's amazing. And the thing too, Natalie, to your point, and I, I totally agree with you, when we wake up in the middle of the night and then we start thinking of our to-do list or the conversation we had with our boss yesterday or our kids or our friend, and we're like, oh my God, my head. And I go, it starts. Like once you start it's and rough, it just, yeah. it, it's like a this cycle that goes, what I recommend doing is stopping yourself. So here's where mindset comes in. Mm-hmm. So you wake up in the middle of the night, it's three, four, whatever it is, you wake up and you're like, great, now I'm awake. And now your mind starts going. So once your mind starts to go, you're like, nope, stop it. So in your mind, go, no, I'm not going there. I will wait till tomorrow because if I do this now, it's not going to benefit me any more so than if I actually start thinking about it in the morning. Yeah. So stop yourself in your tracks and say, no. And then start doing Ho'oponopono. And it works. I did that for a very, I went through a year of a lot of, I had a a lot of trauma that went through a couple of years ago. And I literally would say that, no, I'm not going there. And it works. It takes some time. It's like a muscle, right? It's it's a little bit of a muscle that you need to strengthen. And, Mm -hmm. but it does work. And I'm telling you, try it. Because the only person that will you know, be, will will have an issue if you don't do that is you. So yeah. you might as well do it and try it and, and say you're a Ho'oponopono and it does work. I love that. Well, and you know, there's two things I wanted to add to that, that you'd said that so beautifully. One is whatever it is, will still be there in the morning. And two, and I think maybe more importantly, everything is worse. Everything seems worse during the night, during the night yes. than it is when you wake up in the morning. Like it's, yes. I think it's almost this natural thing where things expand and blow up and fill the darkness and everything just seems so much worse. So, you know, I've also on occasion, and I'm, I don't know if you've ever done this with your clients or your community is to say, look, if you, if you're so worried that you're going to forget, have a piece of paper, like have a pad and a pen beside you. No, you don't get to turn on the light. It's going to look wonky. Just scribble it down, whatever your reminder is in the dark. It's It's going to be fine so that if you need to release it from your mind, like get it out of your head, roll over, go back to your breath work, your Ho'oponopono, whatever it is, and and give yourself the gift of just being allowed to say, we'll deal with it in the morning. It's okay. Right? And you'll be so much happier because you'll have a good night's sleep. And and again, mm-hmm. even if you're waking up in the middle of the night, it's okay. You'll still have a great night's sleep. Even if you're waking up, even once or twice, you could still get the hours that you need. You could still get the amount of light sleep. You could still get the amount of deep sleep. And yeah. I, I'm telling you, because I look at my, every morning I look at my data when I wake up and I'm like, oh, okay, I woke up a couple times. Oh, but I still got a great night's sleep. So it's, it's I think we we think that because we wake up or because we might have, you know, we have to go to the bathroom and our sleep is interrupted, that we still won't get a good night's sleep. And it's not true. I'm here to debunk that right here. And now is that you could still get your good night's sleep and still wake up a couple of times. But the key is, is that you're not up for hours at a time. The key mm-hmm. is you wake up. If you go to the bathroom, do not turn on the lights. No. Be careful. You don't trip or anything, but don't turn on the lights. Come back into your bed, say your Ho'oponopono, do your deep breathing and then fall back asleep. And that is the key. Yeah. Without fear, right? Let go of the fear. It's going to be okay. All right. So you mentioned exercise a little while ago. Um, Let's talk about exercise for this time of life because it is critically important. And yet it's at a time when, you know, A, we may not feel we have the energy or B, we're really annoyed that we don't look the way we did in our spandex as we did before (laughs) or in our Lululemon than we did before. And so just that alone is enough to keep us out of away from exercise. And yet I think it's a time 
I mean, we need it at every age and stage, but if there's a time when we're needing to maintain that lean mass and build those bones, it's now. So here's what I'm going to share with you. And I'm completely honest and transparent. So my whole life, I mean, I always was an exercise, but I used to wake up early before I had kids. I was at the gym doing spinning at 5 a.m. Like I always was into exercise, loved it, always cardio, whatever it was, I was always doing exercise. However, after I had my kids, I wasn't always as consistent. And then I went back and then I stopped. And then when COVID hit, I stopped, like I literally stopped going to the gym and then I never got back into it properly. And I know, I know firsthand that we need, we have, you know, we're more prone to sarcopenia. We're more prone to muscle loss in this phase of life. I know it helps with insulin resistance muscles, like a million different things. We can go on and on bone health, like cognitive health, like on and on and on. <laughs> all the things. And a lot of things. It's very important. Cardio, like we just, we, it's really key. Heart health, all that. But I wasn't, and I would walk every day. So, you know, I, I walk outside or I'd walk on my treadmill. I would walk and I'm like, okay, I'm still working. I'm still exercising. But the weight, like I had gained, I had um, a bout of Hashimoto's last year. So I had um, lost a lot of weight and then gained back like extra weight. And now I was like, okay, so my body's definitely changing. But my body right now is like, nope, we're going to stay here. And I would, you know, I would do my my walking and my movement and nothing was really changing. And then one day this has happened, a, a couple of things happened where my father-in-law had fallen. He's 87 mm. and he had fallen and they were, the doctor was saying he has no muscle mass and he, because he has no muscle mass, he would fall. And then my husband started working at doing weights. And then I was in the shower and I'm washing my hair and Natalie, I kid you not. And when I tell my husband that he was like, what are you for real? I'm like, that's what was the impetus. I was like, I'm done. So I would wash my hair, but my arms were hurting me. I'm like, and I don't have very long hair. Like, no. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm washing my hair and I'm like, oh my God, like in between the wash and the conditioner, I'm like, my arms are hurting me. And I'm like, I have no muscle. Like mm. I, my muscle is atrophying. I could feel it in my body. I'm like, this is not okay. And then I lifted my hand one day and I pulled something in my back. I'm like, that's it. I'm done. I'm going to the gym. And I got a membership and I found something that I absolutely love. And now I am doing strength training three, four times a week. And I feel so amazing. And I know when you're going through it and you can't get out of bed in perimenopause and just, you know, getting out of bed is a deal. And I get it. Trust me. When you could feel, when you feel up to it and you feel that you could go and do something a little bit more, the strength training, hands down, is probably the most important thing that we need to be doing in this phase of life because our muscles are getting weaker. And it, like we talked earlier, it just affects so many different things. So just doing that alone, forget the weight loss part of it. Mm -hmm. That will come with it, by the way. That will yeah. come with it. I already see my body's changing. But it's just having the strength that's so key. So I would say, please, if you can, even if it's walking outside and you're walking with one pound weights in your hand, whatever it's going to do to help a little bit with that weight, with the with the muscles is so important. I love that. The, the weight training for me is now my non-negotiable. There's a lot yeah. of things I, I come in and out of, but I lift heavy weights twice a week. And love it cost me an arm and a leg and I don't care. And I mean, look, I've got all the biohacks. I've got the katsu bands. I've got love all that. the, I've got the carol bike downstairs, which I love. And I, you know, it's, it's amazing, but even Carol won't replace the weight training. One of the things I'll say, you know, for women who maybe if you can't afford the weight training or you, you just can't get to it. One hack for weight training that I think, I mean, it's not exactly the same. You kind of can't get away from it. But a rebounding is actually a really interesting strategy for maintaining lean, maintaining lean muscle. It's good for your cardiovascular system. It's gentle on the joints. 
and it's good for your bones. So the it's only just thing like I a little say, mini trampoline. I, lo- I love my rebounder. The only thing I would say about that is that just make sure mm-hmm. that, you know, you go to the bathroom before so you're not like peeing your pants. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm no, like, so if you've got like, that issue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking like menopause. I'm like, yeah, every time I go, I'm like, my sister has a trampoline. I'm like, yeah, gotta go to the bathroom first before I go do that. But yes, no, I love, I love the rebounder. It's amazing. And also you can make things from home, like take cans of beans, right? Mm-hmm. Like during, mm-hmm. when we were in, in lockdown, I literally would take things that were around my house. I'd put things into a bag that I would put on my shoulder and do like, you know, exercises. So yeah, it doesn't have to be a gym. It could be things that you're just using around your house, which is great. Yeah. But I think the point that, you know, the body is nothing if it's not economical and efficient, it's the most frugal system ever. Right. And if it's not thinking that it needs muscle, which is really metabolically expensive to keep up, it will just dump it say, "Ah, well, you know, we don't need this. So off you go. All right. So we've gone through the sleep. We've gone through the exercise. We've talked about stress management and breath work. What else? What what else has come out of your research that you feel like, you know, women need to know? Women women need to hear this. So I'd say the last part is really the supplements part. And mm-hmm. this is again where my passion lies in my research is figuring out what supplements because again, what we did before, took before may not necessarily be what, what with what we what we need in this phase of life. So when it comes for sleep to sleep, Really what I found that helps tremendously with sleep is, especially if you are waking up between that two and 4 a.m. is we just actually launched a product called Sleep Us, which is, I, it took me three years to work on it. And I would literally buy the ingredients in different bottles, put it together. And now I was like, yeah, this is our formula. So we just launched a product called Sleep Us and then magnesium. So we have an amazing magnesium and magnesium bisglycinate is a game changer when it comes mm-hmm. to sleep. And when you take both of these products together, you're going to have a great night's sleep. Like they're amazing. Mm. So I love, so let, let me just go into for a second about glycinate. So the reason why magnesium glycinate is important. Yes, it's important for sleep. hundred percent. It has an amino acid called glycine. This is your area of expertise. I'm sure you talk <laughs> about this a lot, but you know, it helps us to yeah. relax. It helps us to sleep. Amazing. But also we know now the research shows is that magnesium is super critical for brain health, for cognitive health. And we know women in menopause in particular, I did a video on my TikTok page. In particular, you want, you know, over 350 or 550, even more so magnesium a day. Like this is important for our brain health and magnesium is important for hundreds of functions in our body. So when you take our magnesium, our magnesium, bisglycinate, and you mix it with our sleep bus, or you can try sleep bus on your own, on its own, it still has magnesium in it. Just sometimes I find we need a little bit of extra magnesium, take it as a duo and good night, Charlie. Like literally it's amazing for sleep. So I would say, you know, from a, from a supplement standpoint, that's really important. And then women often ask me, they'll say, okay, Andrea, like, what should I be taking? Yeah, I never really took supplements before, but now that I'm in perimenopause or menopause, I know I need to be taking some things. And I always say there's like the foundation supplements that women in perimenopause and menopause should have. And what are those supplements? So our magnesium, like we have a starter bundle. So we make it really easy. So we have a starter bundle where we have our magnesium bisglycinate. We've got our omega-3 tea, which is an omega-3 fish oil. And then we have our Fiber S product, which is right mm-hmm. behind me here, which nice. is uh, fiber, which has no, there's no psyllium or anything. And it's just guar fiber. So for me, I'm like, those are, that's a really good start because that covers different areas, right? It helps with the sleep, the relaxation, anxiety is a big part of this phase of life too. That helps with the going to the bathroom that we talked about. And that helps with reducing inflammation, brain health, heart health, all of that. So I would say, you know, there are certain things that especially if you've never taken supplements before that you may want to look at that. And then we have other ones that help with specific things. For example, like if you have 
night sweats and hot flashes, then you may want to look at pignogenol and our dim, right? So we have mm-hmm. that duo. Let's call our cool, our cool and hot flash duo, nice. um, flash free duo. Now I'm like, I'm like the names. And then we have, um, we have thymoquin, which is a black seed oil, which is one of my absolute favorite products. I love black seed oil. And so we, and everything that we do, Natalie, like for me, when we launched our products, it was really important to me that number one, I looked at the research. So everything we have, like our, our ingredients are branded ingredients. So we're not using, we're using, th- we're using ingredients that have research behind them. We're using the proper dosage. We're using the, like, you know, we're the right amount of it. We don't mm-hmm. put a million things into our products. I'm, I don't believe in having the kitchen sink in our supplements. I really believe in simplicity more, like less is more in my opinion. And I won't use things or put things in our products that I know I wouldn't take myself. So that's kind of how I look at it is these are, these are products that I take myself would give my family, my friends, my kids, you know, some of them, like, for example, our fiber, anyone can take it over the age of nine months. So it's mm-hmm. completely safe, but why it helps us in menopause for all the reasons that we talked about before. So this is for me, you know, the, the piece that I do believe many of us need to look at as we go into this phase of life, because yes, our food is key. Yes. Our always start with food and lifestyle and managing your stress, like a hundred percent start there. And if you need a little bit of extra help because you're not getting the 25 to 35 grams of fiber a day that we require, have a scoop or two of fiber us, right? Like we're there to help it along, right? We're not there to replace your nutrition. We're there to help it along and provide you with the support that you might need, that you need in this phase of life. Yeah. I love that. I mean, that's all such important stuff and, um, and supplement. That's the word supplement in addition to not instead of, right. It's not a replacement. It's all the things. So what are your thoughts on vitamin D3? And K2, mm, like do you I'm a big fan? Yeah. So we have a product that's coming out called Destress Us that will have vitamin D with uh, K2. So here's my thoughts on it that I'm gonna like that I that I'm very passionate about. So I believe that many of us are most of us or a lot of us are deficient. So I am a huge believer in testing. And mm-hmm. vitamin D is one of one of those tests that, you know hands down, you need to be asking your doctors first. So ask your doctor for vitamin D. You want to know if you're deficient. Why? Because if you're deficient in vitamin D, your mood can be affected. You might be exhausted just because of that, by the way. So, you know, understanding what your vitamin D levels are, you want to be in the optimal range. Then for women in perimenopause and menopause, you want to take your vitamin D with the vitamin K2 and you want to look for the MK7 that's the form that you're looking for, right? So you want vitamin K2, MK7, and you could take it, you can buy it as a one unit together, or you can buy it as two separate units, but you want that because you can't take too much vitamin K2, MK7. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, of course you can take too much of anything, but there really yeah. is like, we're looking at the dose, like in terms of, you know, in terms of uh, balance, you can't really take too much. So if you're taking 120, 140 micrograms, somewhere in that range, like that's a good number and take it with your K2, why your vitamin D3, why is because it acts as a Sherpa and it takes that vitamin D into the cells. Vitamin K2 has so many incredible benefits on its own, but for bone health, which we're more prone to as we, you know, bone issues, as we go into this phase of life, it'll help act as a Sherpa and bring that vitamin D into the bone. So yes, huge fan. Love it. Love it. I think it also helps. Uh, I think it sharpens calcium too, right? Back into yeah. the bone where it belongs. Yeah. And mag- and the magnesium too. It all works in conjunction, they all right? Work together. Magnesium. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, um, anything else? We covered anything a lot. Else? I, I love it. We've, we've, we've been on a journey together. That's for sure. <laughs> I love it. You know, I just want to, I'll leave you with a quote. I, I, I was listening to this podcast recently and the woman who was being interviewed, her name is Isabel Alande. She's a novelist, very well known. She's written, I don't know, several books, many, 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 over 70 books. I think something like a lot. Oh my God. And she was asked, she's 81 years old and she was asked, 
you know, what it's like living, you know, it's an amazing age, right? And she's in great health, cognitive health, physical health, like she's amazing. And her answer was when she was asked, you know, what are your thoughts on aging? Like, what do you, what would you say to younger women? What advice mm-hmm. would you give them? And I wrote it down because I was so, I was like, yes, I love that. So she said that to get to old age, you have to prepare for it. She says it doesn't just happen by chance. And she was referring to being generous of spirit. She was talking about nutrition, exercise, mindset, like all of it together, right? It wasn't just looking at one thing. And I was like, yes, I love that because that's what you do. That's what I do. That's what we we're here to help, you know, pre- help you prepare for that old age. It's it's not like waking up one day at 77 or 78 and saying, okay, now I'm going to like change my entire life. Now, by the way, even if when you do that, no judgment, do that, please. You can. Yeah. It's <laughs> never what, too late. <laughs> never too late. But what she was saying too, is that prepare for it in advance, prepare for it in your forties, your fifties, your sixties, you know, whatever it is. And she said it just, you know, and I thought I was like, oh, that's super interesting. Right? Like, I think that knowing that we can prepare for it makes it really makes a big difference for when mm-hmm. we, you know, for where we want to go. And I thought, okay, I love it. I, it was like more of like a, I love what I'm doing. And it's like a validating for the work that we do of like, okay, because what I don't want to do and do, you know, to kind of full circle moment when you said in the beginning that many of us don't want to change the way we're doing things, or it's a hard thing to get our head wrapped around. And it is for many of us changing the way we, you know, putting whatever it is into the food that you were putting or drink or whatever it is, because it's very overwhelming. And mm-hmm. especially if you're just learning about it now, it's like, whoa, where do I start? And I'm always like, baby steps, one thing at a time, <laughs> you know, like do not. And we're more prone to overwhelm in this phase of life, too. So that's the last thing we need is to be overwhelmed with our life, you know, our life change. So it's more of just one thing at a time, baby steps, but preparing yourself for it. So that way, when we get to 80, you get to 90 we're, we, we've paved the way. And, and when I was telling my husband this, he was like, well, it makes sense. He says, because you always say that's what you're doing for our kids. You're, you're giving them the foundation and they don't listen to me. And, you know, I, I laugh. I'm like, I wrote on Unjun- Unjun- junk, your junk food for them. And they're like the opposite of what the book is. Right. And They'll I'm like, okay. So my husband, that's what he says. My daughter already has, she's 18. My husband's like, they came back. She said, and he says, you're always setting that foundation. And I feel like mm-hmm. it's the same thing here with the work that we're doing. A hundred percent. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you all the way. And to that end, I think, you know, if anybody's listening to this and you're not in perimenopause or menopause yet, know that you can also prepare for that phase as well. Right. Mm. Um, we see, I'm sure you see this. I mean, there are women who seem to not many, (laughs) but there are women who seem to sail through menopause. And, Mm. and I think that as, as early as we can manage to start taking care of our bodies and our nutrition and our mindset and the sleep and the stress management and being gentle and kind with ourselves, I think that can ease that passage if we're, if we're lucky enough to tune in and to start early enough, but earlier. Um, 100%. But to your point, Andrea, it's never too late. And so wherever you are in yeah. your journey, now's your moment. That's it. My mom is 76 and she's been working out for a long time and she's in great physical shape. Cognitively, she's amazing. So I look and I'm like, it is possible to live and to, Mm -hmm. you know, to be able to keep our faculties and just making small changes, you know, as we go along and like, you know, and again, you could change it at any time, but if you can do that and not wake up in the later phase, but in the earlier phase and the adrenals play a huge role. So let's, Mm -hmm. let's bring it back again, full circle. How do we do that? If there's one piece of advice that we could say, okay, how do you prepare for this phase? 
manage stress. Yes. Find something that helps you to manage your stress because it affects our adrenals, our hor- everything. So that yeah. would be the one piece of one takeaway from everything we talked about today is just manage, find a way to some type of a routine or something that can help you manage stress is key. I love it. Thank you so much, Andrea. This has been phenomenal. You oh, are a you. wealth of information. I can't wait to continue to follow your research and all the wisdom that comes from that. So mm-hmm. why don't you let people know where they can find you and learn more and maybe be a part of your community or maybe even your research? Please. So definitely, please go fill out our survey. So if you go to our website, which is wearemorphous.com. So it's uh, W-E-A-R-E, Morphus, which is M-O-R-P-H-U-S. So it's metamorphosis, morph us as a community. So wearemorphous.com. And then you can go under research. You'll see, and then we have all of our surveys there. We have five right now. And you could follow me on Instagram at wearemorphous. I'm also there personally. I just, I'm not as active personally on Instagram at Andrea Donsky, but I'm very active on TikTok. That's where I live. And uh, that's where our amazing community lives as well. So at Andrea Donsky on, on, on a TikTok. I love it. Thank you so much, Andrea. This has been amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Natalie. Before we wrap up today's episode, I'd love to invite you to join my biohacking superhuman performance community, aka the BSP community. This is a place where we dive deeper into longevity science, peptides, and bioregulators. If you're looking to get into the nitty gritty on these larger topics, this is the place for you. Plus, we hold weekly Q&A sessions, either with myself or with special guests for live interviews for you to join, and you can ask questions to the community for everyone to answer along with myself. It's an amazing community. If you want to join, head over to natnidham.com forward slash BSP dash community to join or find the link in the show notes. Thank you so much for your continued support and for tuning into today's episode. I wish you all the best this week in your biohacking superhuman performance. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the biohacking superhuman performance podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly, or if you'd like to leave any comments, or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, natnidham.com. And of course, if you're not already a member of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Community on Facebook, that's where you'll find me every day. It's a short application. Just answer a couple of questions and you're in and interfacing with other amazing biohackers. Thanks again, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.